Well, if you have your Bibles with you again today, you could open them to texts that we use during this seminar. John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, Acts, the first chapter, and then in our studies, we are right now in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. So you could find those three openings. First of all, in John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, Jesus said in the 16th and 17th verses that I will pray the Father and he'll give you or send you another comforter. He went on to say, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it knoweth him not, neither seeth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Then in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And so uh, we have established the fact that there is a dual working of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. First of all, in the new birth, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, Christ literally, physically couldn't be in you because he has a resurrected body that's flesh and bone and is seated at the right hand of the Father, but through the person, the power of the Holy Spirit, thank God he does indwell us. Christ in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, then he said he's none of his. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, our Holy Ghost, as he's called, is all the same. And uh, thank God for the Holy Ghost in us. Thank God for the new birth. Thank God his spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. But then there is an endowment of power from on high. Jesus said to the disciples, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued. Didn't say till you be converted. Till you be endued with power from on high. We call it the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the Acts of the Apostles, as we examine the five different references where they received this experience, we notice it was also called being filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We found it was called the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now you see, though there is the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth, yet that's not called receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, that's called receiving the gift of eternal life. Though there is the work of the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that imparts eternal life to us through the Word of God. But that's not called receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Paul asked those disciples down there at Ephesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And then it's also called receiving. There in Acts the 8th chapter, then they, Peter and John, laid hands on them, and they, the Samaritans, received the Holy Ghost. Well, now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Ghost was not at work in the city of Samaria beforehand, because he was. Because Philip preached the gospel unto him. Anytime the gospel's preached, the Holy Ghost is there to bear witness. And the Word of God said that they gave heed, the Samaritans gave heed unto Philip, both seeing and hearing the miracles which he did. Well, how did he do them? By the power of the Holy Ghost. If he didn't, everybody in the world could do it. Amen. Isn't that right? Every human being could do it. 
but they both saw and heard the miracles which he did. So the Holy Ghost is not mentioned, yet he's there at work. And then the Bible said, when they, the Samaritans, believed the preaching of Philip concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, they were baptized, that is, baptized in water, both men and women. So they were saved then. Because Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and baptized shall be saved. And so the Holy Spirit then is the one that imparted eternal life unto them, recreated the spirits and made them new creatures, though he's not mentioned till, till that 17th chapter when Peter and John laid hands on him. And this is a very interesting thought here that will let you know the Bible said in the 14th verse of that 8th chapter of Acts, now when the apostles which abode in Jerusalem heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God... They sent them to them, Peter and John, who were neighbor come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now notice this. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Didn't say he wasn't there working. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. After the Holy Ghost had come upon you, you shall receive power. And so then it's very interesting that in connection with the Holy Spirit within, the life of Christ within, there is a, a, a number nine involved a ninefold blessing, and in connection with the Holy Ghost upon or the baptism of the Holy Ghost is number nine. Now notice that the nine fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is because of the life of Christ within, in the person of the Holy Ghost. You see, John's Gospel, 15th chapter, Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And again, one of the very first fruit of the Spirit is love. The very first fruit of the recreated, born-again human spirit is love. John said, we know we pass from death unto life because we love. But then in connection with this experience of being baptized with the Holy Ghost or receiving the Holy Ghost, there is also a, a list of nine given us here in 1 Corinthians 12. We call them nine gifts of the Spirit. And loosely, generally speaking, that would be true. It's better to call them manifestations. You notice that seventh verse here in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit every man with all. Now then, let's, uh, let's back up just a little bit and reiterate something else because it's sort of new thinking for us. It's different than what you ordinarily hear. Begin with the fourth verse and read down through the seventh now. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, you see, actually, he's literally talking about three different things. He's talking about gifts. He's talking about administrations. He's talking about operations. But he calls all of them manifestations. Notice that? Now, of these nine manifestations of the Spirit, and as I said now, speaking generally, they are gifts in the sense that anything that's given is a gift. But actually, four of them are really in the Scriptures designated as gifts. And that is prophecy, diverse kinds of tongue, interpretation of tongue, and gifts of healings. Three of them, you'll find, are designated or are actually administration. That's the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discern the spirit. Two of them would come under the operation, that is, 
the uh, special faith and the working of miracles. Now, uh, we looked at some length about the speaking with tongues because speaking with tongues is a very varied subject. And though tongues are all the same in essence, they're different in purpose and use. And we found that there were at least three scriptural uses of speaking with tongue. Number one, always manifested when folks receive this experience of being baptized with the Holy Ghost or filled with the Holy Ghost. Then secondly, tongues are used in worship in a private manner for you in worshiping God and singing, in praying. And if we were studying on the subject of prayer, we'd go into great detail about that. Thank God for the Holy Ghost in this area of life. Paul said, if I pray, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayers. Hallelujah. Thank God for the privilege of our spirit praying apart from our understanding. And then third use of speaking with tongues is, is in addressing the church with the sister gift of interpretation of tongues, which is equivalent to prophecy. All of them are inspired utterances, are utterance, and all of them are prophecy actually in its varied form. Remember Paul said here in 1 Corinthians 14, greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, talking about in the church, you understand. Now notice he said, except he interpret. So therefore, he's just simply saying that tongues with interpretation is equivalent to prophecy. Sometimes we call it prophecy. Then we'll notice that uh, when it comes to the gifts of healings, that they are in the plural. And I don't know that any of us know in fact, I know we don't because Paul, who wrote this himself, said he didn't know everything. He said, right here, sandwiched in between the 12th and the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul said, we know in part and we prophesy in part, didn't he? Remember reading that? Well, in case you didn't, look at this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians and notice the ninth verse. For we know in part. Now, the very man that's writing this letter the very man, the Apostle Paul, that's telling us by the inspiration of the Spirit about these manifestations of the Spirit said we know in part. So if you think you're going to know all of it, then you'd be beyond Paul. So there wouldn't be any need for you to read half the New Testament because you're out beyond that. When you get out beyond the Word of God, you're out too far for me. <laughs> Amen. Are you listening to me? And I'm afraid you're really out too far for God and out in the territory where the devil is going to deceive you. Yeah, I've run into a few folks that said, well, yeah, we're, one fellow said, man, I'm way out beyond that book and throwed the Bible down on the floor. I don't need that anymore. I, I notice he's way out beyond it. <laughs> Wasn't long until they were considering taking him to the asylum. He got too far out beyond it. Amen. No, you don't get out beyond the word. The Bible said the word and the spirit agree. But you see, uh, we know in part, Paul said, you see, when he said we, he put himself in on that, didn't he? Well, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. And so I don't know everything, but thank God for the part I do know, and I'm constantly learning, praise the Lord. And I think that as we develop spiritually and as we grow, that we'll see some of these things in a little different light than what we see them now. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Uh, I, I teach here every year the students on the gifts of the Spirit. 
But I see that in a little different light, some of it in a little different light this year than it did last year. See, and that's the reason I say to them, don't accept the final word from me or anybody else if that's the final word on the subject because we're going to learn more, hallelujah, as we grow more. But let's thank God for the part we know and walk in the light of the part that we do know. Amen. Isn't that right? And then just stay open to God to learn and to grow with him. Now, as I said, generally speaking, of course, all of them are, uh, are gifts. You know, when you, uh, when the way we speak in English, and I guess other languages too, you know, if you speak generally, words mean one thing. When you speak specifically, they mean something else. And I use as an illustration quite frequently the word miracle. Like we talk about miracle fabrics, miracle detergents, miracle drugs. See a beautiful sunset, said that's just a miracle of nature. And, you know, you see the beautiful fall of the year about this, 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 this spell just about got rid of the leaves around here. But the leaves are turning, you know, as you drive through the mountains and it's so beautiful, you know, said, oh, that's just a miracle. Just a miracle. Well, uh, the way we use the word loosely and Generally, that's so, but yet the, the dictionary said that a miracle is a divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature. That's one definition. Well, none of those things are miracles specifically, yet generally speaking, the way we loosely use the term, they are. Now, the same way with gifts. You, you see, generally, overall speaking, anything that's given is a gift, you see. And so he talks about far to one is given the word of wisdom, the manifestation of it, or the word of knowledge. And yet, right on the other hand, as we use gifts in a different way, for instance, if I gave you a birthday gift, for instance, I gave you this watch. It was given to me. It's a very nice watch. One of our board members gave it to me. It's a Rolex, you know, president, the very best one, you know, that they sell. And uh, he gave it to me as, as, a, as a Christmas present. Well, now, if I were to say, I'm just going to give this to this fellow here, I gave it to him as a gift, you see. Well, it's given to me a gift. I can do what I want to. I can give it to him if I want to. He could give it to somebody else if he wanted to. Or else just go out here and throw it in the lake if he wanted to. <laughs> or else just go home, put it up in the chest of drawers or somewhere and forget it. Well, you see, in that sense, there's no such thing as spiritual gifts because you can't do what you want to with them. Are, are you following me? Amen. They are manifested as the Spirit wills. So you see, I think it's so, that's the reason it's so difficult sometimes in explaining these things is because, you see, uh, uh, we, we have different meanings uh, when we speak in generally to words and then when we speak specifically, the word means something else. So that's the reason I wanted to keep going over that to make that very clear to us. Now, let's look here at these manifestations of the Spirit, these manifestations of the Spirit, and it's, it's safe to call them manifestations because that's what the Word of God calls them here. Notice also that these manifestations of the Spirit are divided into three groups. And that there are three of them that reveal something. And there are three of them that do something. And there are three of them that say something. Now that's the simplest way to put it. Or we could say it another way. There are three gifts of revelation or three manifestations of revelation. If I use the word gift now here, I'm using it in a general loose sense, you understand. And there are three gifts or manifestations, uh, the power gifts or power manifestations. That is, you see, the gift or the manifestation of special faith. You see, the manifestation is given to you. Now, I like it. I've been there when it's in manifestation. You see, it's not just put into your hands. 
that you can use when you wanted to. Because, see, that's the reason that we push every button, say everything we ever said in the same place, and nothing happens. But then here the Spirit of God comes on us. And here the manifestation comes. Now, you see, just with common, ordinary, general faith, you know, well, we can help other people by joining our faith to theirs to receive things that God has promised in his word. If two of you agree on earth, touch anything else, it be done, you see. And, uh, and I can gain faith to receive whatever God's word promises by reading what his word said. You see, just like a child, you know, if, uh, if, if the parent said, well, you know, they're looking at a certain toy, we'll just get that for you for Christmas. You know, I'd be a Christmas present. Well, now they've got faith to believe that now because they told them that. When God tells me in his word something's mine, I can have faith to believe that, you see. That's what I call ordinary faith. But see, when it comes to things out beyond the word of God, then I'm going to have to have a manifestation of the special faith or else I'm not going to get it. Or if it comes to helping someone else, for instance, if some reason or another that you're not able to get the word of God over to them. Well, you see, you can't get the word of God over to an insane person because you've got to go through their mind to get into their spirits. And so that's the reason you have to have the manifestation of the spirit. I bear witness once in a while to the first person, and we've had several of them, but the first person, that, the insane person that is, that I ever cast the devil out of, you see, was brought to, to our parsonage right out of the asylum and had been in solitary confinement, padded cell two years because it violently insane, tried to kill themselves. Well, you couldn't get through to them. They couldn't believe anything, you see. But suddenly the Spirit of God came on me. And the Holy Ghost said, go stand in front of her and say, come out, thine unclean spirit in the name of Jesus. And so very often, just sum it up real quickly, I, I say I did and he did and it did. And that was just it, praise God. But you see, I, I, I couldn't necessarily do that with the next one unless I have that same anointing. And then I remember the, the, the second session experience along this line. Now this was, that woman there was a middle-aged lady, about 45, 47. This other lady was an older lady, uh, around 70. And that, that happened a couple of years later. See, now I didn't have, didn't have any kind of manifestation of that for a couple of years. I guess if it had been necessary for me to have it, I would have it, but I didn't, I didn't, what necessity didn't arise. And so uh, a lady then brought her mother to our parsonage. I didn't know that they were coming. They just showed up one day. She came from another city. I tell you, things start happening. You're a pastor of church and people start getting delivered from devils and the sick getting healed. It'll get out on you. You know that? You can't keep it hid, you know. So I didn't know they're coming, but here's a knock on the pastor's door, you see, and here stand this lady, you know. Now, we were acquainted with a lady, my wife and I, and she had brought her mother right out of the asylum. Actually, her mother had been in the asylum. When she was 67, she lost her mind. And after a period of time there, the doctors had said, well, she doesn't respond to institutional care. She'll always be insane. But the asylums were full, and if some of you, some of the family can keep her, the state will pay you. Isn't that something? The state would pay the children to keep their own mother. So this lady took her into her home. Well, uh, you know, you couldn't get through to that dear woman. And not only that, you see, but uh, as we talked to the daughter, the daughter said, you know, her mother was never saved. Now this daughter, after she's grown and married, been away from home for many years, you see, in more recent time had been born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, and, and baptized the Holy Ghost in Pentecostal circles. And she said, I talked to mama and I talked to daddy about being Christians. 
But uh, mama said, now, now that's all right, you know, for you. But now we don't believe that kind of stuff, you know. We're not interested, not interested. You couldn't talk to her about Jesus, couldn't talk to her about salvation and just turned it down. Well, now then her mind's gone. You can't get through to her. Now, see, if she had never, her mind had never been right, she had never had the opportunity to, to accept Jesus, she would have been all right. But you see, she had 67 years to accept Jesus and turned him down more than once. And I thought, now we prayed, we prayed. And, and here's what you have to do. You, you, you've got to realize this. You don't carry gifts of the Spirit around in your pocket. You know, like I do that pocket knife, just pull them out and start using them anytime you want to, you know. It is as the Spirit wills. And that's the reason that you have to pray and wait on God and prepare yourself per adventure that God wants to use you. Because, you know, I'm just as sure as anything in the world that even in the natural, if some fellow, you know, wants to, in, 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 you know, in business, for instance, if he'd wanted to promote somebody and use somebody in a special way, he wouldn't go out there and get somebody that's tardy every other day and never does his job. He'd get somebody that's on the job that he knew he could depend on for that special job, wouldn't he? You think God's as smart as your boss? <laughs> Amen. You see, that's the necessity of praying, waiting on God, preparing yourself. Hallelujah. If he's looking for somebody for a special job, he'll come after you. You know, if God was looking for somebody to lay a special burden of it, somebody said, well, I don't ever have any intercession. If God's looking for somebody to lay a burden of intercessory prayer on, he sure wouldn't go out and get somebody that never does much praying. Because they wouldn't even know what he was talking about to begin with. He knew he couldn't depend on them anyhow because they never do any prayer. He'd go looking for those folks that are in the habit of praying and that are in his presence and put that burden on them. Are you listening? That spirit of intercession. Yeah, if you just put yourself into the presence of God, he'll use you. Hallelujah. Well, we prayed for... For two and a half hours, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, waiting on God, my wife and I. Now, this, this old woman, not, not a Christian, her mind's not right. She just sat there and stared off in space. We, we're on our knees praying, you know. Then we got some of the ladies out of our church. You know, after all, I, I'm wanting help. Well, I sure, I just passed over certain members of the church. Who did I go get? I went and got people that I knew, bless God, could pray heaven and earth together. I went and got some people, praise God, some ladies that I knew had the glow of God upon them and knew how to pray. That's what I did. You think God's as smart as me? <laughs> Who would he get if he's looking for somebody? You understand what I'm talking about? And so here we are, several of us praying now, this lady, this older lady, just sits there and stares off in space and twiddles her thumbs and makes funny noises. You know, because her mind's gone. Wee, 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 do, wada, wah, 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 wee, wee, wee. Ne never said anything intelligent. Wee, do, wee, do, wada, wada. Wee, 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 wah, 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 wee, 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 wah. Just make funny noises. How are you going to help her? How are you going to get through to her? Well, finally, after we'd prayed about three hours, the lady had to get back home, the daughter that brought her, and she said, well, I've got to get back home and get supper ready, you know, for my husband when he comes in from work. 
And so she got her mother up out of the chair, pulled her up out of the chair. She didn't have enough sense to get up by herself. Just got a hold of her and literally pulled her up. My wife helped her, got her up, put her coat on because it's cool weather. And she put her coat on her. And for some reason, now I'm just standing there waiting. I've been praying along with the rest of them for three hours. I haven't got a thing. Spirit of God has not moved upon me. I'm perfectly helpless to help that dear one. Well, can't you use your faith to do it? No. Can't you just say, be healed in the name of Jesus with your faith? No. That's where we fail. You see, we've tried to take general faith, ordinary faith, common faith that we all have. Because see, if you could do that with one person, you could do it with, with a million of them. You could do it with everybody. And we've tried to take that ordinary faith that we can use for itself and try to use it for the other fellow and it won't work over there. Because if we could do that with ordinary faith, we wouldn't need the manifestation of special faith. Can you see that? So I remember I'm, I'm, I'm standing there and, 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 you know, we're all standing up and, and my wife and the mother's daughter engaged in conversation and this older lady sat back down on the couch in our living room. And I sat back down on the couch, right close to her, you see. And my heart's just going out to her. Now, here's another something that we need to learn in connection with manifestations of the Spirit. And because, you see, after all, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of Christ. And you remember again and again in, in the Gospels, the Word of God would tell us, that Jesus had compassion on them and healed them. And somewhere or another on the inside of me, it seemed like a spirit of compassion gripped me. It was all I could do to keep them crying. And on the inside of you, it's just difficult to tell you how you felt here in your spirit. Just difficult to describe it. But just such compassion that just seemed to overflow until you just wanted to weep and, and cry out. And inwardly I said, oh God, why can't I help that dear woman? Here she is, 60 some odd years of age, near 70 years of age, you see. And, and, and you know, naturally speaking, if, you know, she's not going to live much longer. And she's going to die and go to hell. Why can't I help her? And about that time, the daughter turned back around and sort of shook her again, put her hand on her shoulder and said, come on, mama, let's go. I've got to go. We have to go. And she's still sitting there making these funny noises staring in space, just looked like she's off somewhere else, you know. When the anointing came on me, God suddenly gave me the manifestation of special faith. Amen. I felt it just drop down inside me. I describe it sometimes, you know, like dropping those days you can make a telephone call for a nickel. But I'm afraid those days are gone forever. <laughs> you know? You know, you, you, you know, you put your nickel in there, you know, and you hear it drop down. You know, I could just feel that drop down inside me. And, and under the anointing that was upon me, I just pointed, she, she actually, when her daughter shook her, well, at first she didn't respond, but she got a hold of her again, both shoulders and shook her. And, 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 and suddenly the lady shook her head and said the only intelligent thing she said all day long. She suddenly looked at me and said, will I ever be any better? And I just pointed my finger to her and said, yes, you will, in the name of Jesus. But you see, I didn't just say that with my ordinary faith. I didn't just say that out of my head. I didn't just say that because somebody else said, I said it because I was energized and unctionized. You understand that kind of expression? 
praise God, by the Holy Ghost to say it. Well, she didn't look any better. Her daughter pulled her to her feet, got in the car and took her home. Well, they lived in another city. Sometime later, my, we resigned that church and left, my wife and I. And, and so I didn't see her anymore, didn't hear any report. And every once in a while, my wife would say, uh, you know, what, what, whatever happened to so-and-so's mother? I said, I'll tell you exactly what happened to her. She's delivered. You see, when the gift of faith is in operation, when the command is spoken, it doesn't always come to pass instantly. Remember the, the, those patriarchs of old, when they were dying, many times they'd pronounce blessings or curse upon the church. They did that with the gift of faith. They didn't do that with their ordinary faith. And sometimes it was years of coming to pass, but it always came. Because it's a decree just like when God speaks. Because it is the ultimate measure of the God kind of faith. And so two years went by. We were pastored down in East Texas and this daughter wrote us and said, learned we were there and just wrote in care of the church and we got the letter and asked us if it's all right to come down and visit with them. She had something she wanted us to pray with her about. So my wife wrote back and told her to come on down. I remember we went out to meet her because she had written back she'd come at a certain day. And, and I think about the first thing each one of us said to her when you, you know, we're out in front of the postage when she stepped out of the car was whatever happened to your mother. And she said, well, let me tell you, I said, you remember, Brother Hagin, the last thing you said was when Mama said the only intelligent thing she said all day long, yes. And remember, she said, will I ever be any better? And you just pointed your finger to her and said, yes, you will in the name of Jesus. Now, you see, she heard me say that, but she didn't know the power that was upon me. Man, the power of God was on me so until I was tingling all over like electricity was going through me. Now, don't you misunderstand me at all? There's been many times, you know, that I tried to make that work because I didn't understand everything I understand now. I tried to make that work on somebody else, you see. And I pointed a finger and said the same thing. <laughs> and nothing happened. So, so many times we push the same button, pull the same lever, say the same words, and nothing happened. Well, she said, you know, I bundled Mama up and took her home. Next day, she wasn't any better. The next day, she wasn't any better. The third morning, she wasn't any better. But about three o'clock in the afternoon of the third day, just like you snapped your finger, suddenly her mind was all right. She had all of her faculties and facilities. And said, the first thing she said to me, you see, was, I want to get saved. And said, we knelt down the middle of the living room floor, my house, and mama gave her heart to Jesus, was born again. And then old dad, see, she's 69. Old dad, 71, you know. He claimed to be an infidel always. When he saw what God done for mama, he come, got on his knees, said, pray for me. I'm going to be saved. She said, two years have come and gone. They're still both saved, filled with the Holy Ghost in church every Sunday. Mama does all of her own housework. I was just out there to visit them last week, and they're just happy. Praise God. Well, thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank God for manifestations of the Holy Ghost. See, see you know, I, I think if we're not careful a lot of times, because, you see, we hear so much faith preached, and we should, don't misunderstand me, you know, I'm a faith preacher, that we just think the word of faith is going to do everything. Well, it will for me as far as I'm concerned. I never have had any manifestation of the Spirit, the power of God coming on me in anointing for, for me to receive something from God. I just did it by naked faith on the word of God. But these things come in helping others. I want to show you something. Remember the examples that we use that Jesus himself gave us concerning the work of the, this, this dual working of the Spirit of God in the life of believers? 
not just in the life of preachers, in the life of believers. Remember in John's gospel, the fourth chapter, Jesus said to the woman at the well of Samaria, the water, water is a type of the Spirit in these instances. Now there are other types of the Holy Ghost, but water is a type of the Holy Ghost. And the water that I give you shall be in you, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's, that's something that just blesses you individual for your own individual personal state, isn't it? But in the seventh chapter of John, he said to him that believeth on me out of his belly, our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Well, these rivers, the wells in you for your benefit. The rivers are flowing out of you for others' benefit. So now when it comes to, to receiving from God, personally, I've always just received on my own faith on the naked word of God. But you see, then I can teach others the word of God and get them to agree with me or get them to believe with me and we get results that way. But if you're not able to teach them or if they don't grasp it, then you see, you're going to have to have this outflow as a result of having been baptized with the Holy Ghost and it belongs to believers, praise God, and is manifested as the Spirit wills. Flowing out of you, praise God, unto others. Now, uh, if you have that, you can help folks. If you don't, if you can't get the Word of God into them, then you just simply can't help them. But you see, now God will manifest himself as a demonstration of his power. Particularly, you'll find that so where the gospel has not been preached. Now, that's, simple, that's the reason that you go to many mission fields and will have many more manifestations of such things than you will here. Because, you see, where folks know more, God expects more of them. But then even here, he'll do some things sometimes just as signs of demonstrating his power through manifestations, you see, to help people, trying to help them where they can or not. Because many times they're so religiously brainwashed and biased that they're still not open. Just like the Pharisees were with Jesus. I remember I was preaching right here in the state of Oklahoma in the month of May in the year of 1952. And they brought a fellow in, they brought him on in an ambulance for over 100 miles away. Now he looked the very picture of death. The man that, that brought him owned five different funeral homes in that part of Oklahoma. And actually he, was, he wasn't even full gospel, he was Nazarene. At that time he became full gospel because the Lord told me, he said, call him up here and lay your hands on him, I feel the Holy Ghost, and I did, and he did. But he brought him at that time because he had been, this Nazarene man that owned his five funeral home, he had been in one of my meetings and he'd seen a little, little fellow that was between four and five years of age, you know, it was before we got this, 1952, before the polio, salt polio vaccine. And this little fellow had polio when he was 14 months old. And, and you know, his little legs wasn't any bigger around that, and they're just a flopping like a rag doll. And instantly he was healing up and down the platform. Praise God, and when he was 16 years old, he was quarterback on a high school football team here in Oklahoma. Well, this Nazarene man had seen that, and this man was a friend of his, bedfast, and he told me, this Nazarene man, the funeral director and funeral owner, uh, homeowner, told me, he said, I talked to the doctor, would it be all right to bring him? He said, if you think anything happened, that man ought to have been dead 10 days ago. How he's lived, I don't know. And so it's certainly got to go. Now, he may die on your hands on the trip over there. But the doctor said, if, if you know, he's going to die anyhow, so if you think it'll help him, take him. 
Well, I never, you know, I, I didn't get to talk to the man. He's too near dead to talk to. I don't know whether he could understand what you say or not. But just as I, I saw him lying there on this stretcher while I was preaching, but just as I finished my sermon, the word of the Lord came unto me, told me what to do, but the anointing came on me to do it. Now, I wouldn't have dared try that with my own faith, just, just my ordinary faith. But the anointing came upon me. It's like somebody dropped a coat on you. You know, you know if there's somebody standing behind him and they got an overcoat, top coat, and suddenly put it over my shoulder, don't you know I'd feel it? See, see, in the Old Testament, you know, to denote that one's going to be anointed by the Spirit, very often they'd put the mantle on them. You know, Elisha, Elijah, you know, throwed his mantle over Elisha. Well, the Hebrew word for mantle also means a cloak. And, and so, uh, so, you see, that came on me. And then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, say to this congregation, I'm going to speak to that man on that stretcher there and he's going to rise up right in front of you, walk right off healed, perfectly made whole. If he doesn't, I'm a false prophet. If he does, which he will, then this is a sign unto you. You remember a text that we used here in discussing the word uh, Gifts, you know, four different Greek words, translated gifts. You remember that, don't you? Remember, we read here from, uh, from Hebrews where he speaks about the Lord, you know, working with uh, the early disciples. And, and here he said, God also, Hebrews 2.4, God also bearing them witness. Now, I want you to notice that this is not just talking about the apostles, because Philip was not an apostle. Philip was elected in the sixth chapter of Acts to serve tables, to wait on tables. We call him a deacon a lot of time because the Hebrew word, or Greek word, translated deacon means a helper, and certainly these seven men were elected to help the apostles. God made an evangelist out of him. The highest office he ever filled was the office of an evangelist because in the 21st chapter of Acts it said, Philip the evangelist. And he went out of the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. They gave heed unto him, both him and the and the miracles, which he did. For many unclean spirits came out, crying with a loud voice, many of the sick of the pods were healed, and so on. So, this isn't just talking about God bearing the apostles' witness, but he's talking about the believers and the early church. God bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers' miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, and we pointed out that word gifts there means distribution, distribution of the Holy Ghost. But God bearing them witness. So God will do some things as signs to bear witness. And so he said to me, say to the congregation, you see, if that man doesn't get up off that bed and walk off well right here in front of you, then you're a false prophet. So I said, I'm a false prophet. But if he does, which he will, then this is a sign. Now, you see, I couldn't have produced that sign with my own faith. But I could because the Spirit said so, and the anointing was there, the unction was there, the energizing was there to do it. If he does get up and walk off, which he will, this is a sign unto you. Well, what does it mean? Here's what the Lord said. Tell him it's a sign. It's a sign unto you, under the congregation, that I've called you and have anointed you and have sent you as a minister. Well, I sometimes, again, just sum it up by saying, I did, he did, the Lord did. 
I stood on the platform, spoke to the man. He got up and walked off. The bed, healed, right there in front of everybody. Well, now, why don't you do that? Don't misunderstand me. I've had them roll them in on stretchers and roll them out on stretchers. Well, if you heal that fellow, why didn't he? I didn't heal that fellow. Now, if I don't have that unction, if I, and you know it's called unction sometimes, and if I don't have that anointing, if I don't have that energizing of the Spirit of God, then I just simply minister to the person on this level. I endeavor to talk to them and to get them to agree with me and believe with me and lay my hands on them because the Bible said they'll lay hands on the sick and shall recover. Now, right on the other hand, there are people that will be healed because they believe what's preached. That happens overseas more so than it does here because I think they, they accept it more readily over there. Brother Osborne had great success along that line, just simply proclaiming the simple gospel that Jesus died for our sins and that he also took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And people just start getting healed all over the place. Praise God forevermore. But you see, well, why don't that happen here? Well, people know more here. God expects more out of it. But another thing is that th those people there haven't been tampered with yet. You see, folks over here have, have got a, a mental block because they've been taught so long, sometimes from the time they were children, that, that healing's not for us today till they believe salvation's for us because they've heard that all life. But no, I can't accept the healing so they don't get it. Yet right on the other hand, I know I was preaching one time there in New York City, full gospel businessmen's convention, last one that I preached at. Uh, they've invited me to come back many times, but I just can't make, you know, just have to limit myself to not over two of them a year. And uh, incidentally, the brethren, I mean, you know, they said to me, uh, you know, I remember Brother Simon Vixie when he's still alive. He said, brother, you know, you know, uh, because I didn't go, you know, have we, have, you know, have we done something wrong? I mean, I said, no, you folks treat me better than anybody in any, any full gospel chapter in America or in the world because I preached to others in Canada and New Zealand, Australia and over in Europe. And, and I said, no, no you, you've treated me better every way, financially in every way than any full gospel group I've ever preached for. But I just simply, I'm limited. And, you know, unless God said go, I just can't go. I've got too much to do. But I remember the, the last meeting I was there and I was uh, actually, to tell you the truth about the matter, to begin the meeting, Miss Kuhlman was still alive then, Catherine Kuhlman, you know, and she had a manifestation of some of these things that I'm talking about. Actually, primarily the word of knowledge and gifts of healings were operating through her. And you saw a little more manifestation there than you do through an ordinary person. So she was supposed to begin this with a miracle rally on Wednesday night. And then really the full God Benjamin's convention started then Thursday morning, run on through Saturday night. But, you know, we got there and they came out, Brother Vixie and his wife and, and came out and picked us up at the airport, my wife and I. And after we got to the hotel, he said, you got to preach tomorrow night. See, we got in on Tuesday and I said, oh, I thought he was kidding me. No, he said, Miss Kuhlman won't be here. No, I said, oh, I know, you know better than that. No, she said, you know, she had that heart condition. And, and she, see, here's what throws a lot of folks. See, you, like I said, you'll never get gifts of the Spirit to work for you. See, out of the innermost being a full river, it flows out to others. You just have to believe God for yourself. Brother Branham ran into that. Mighty prophet of God. You'd see some of the, you know, man of God in their days of the voice of healing. Mightly used. You'd see some of the greatest miracles you've ever seen in your life. And yet, you see, he overworked and it took him two years to recover. See, actually, the voice of healing magazine was started just to cover his meetings. 
And he thought he was supposed to pray for everybody every night. Just went on and on and on until he broke himself down. See, see, your body's still mortal, you know. Don't care how much faith you got or how supernatural you are, your body's still mortal. And he thought, like Brother Lindsay said to me, he thought that he ought to pray for everybody, you know, every night. So he'd be sometime four o'clock in the morning, night after night, before he'd ever get to, you know, finish the service even. Until he just... You know, just got to where he couldn't go. Physically, he couldn't go. Well, he's examined, and finally he went to the Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic said nothing went wrong with it from disease or something like that. Said, you're just fatigued. You wore out. You wore yourself out. I remember when I first came to Pentecostal Circle down at the Baptist, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, you know. And, you know, they'd go at such a fast pace. And Well, if common sense was, I'd rather wear out than to rust out. Well, I said, you don't have to do either one if you got good sense. If you got good sense, you don't have to wear out. You don't have to rust out. And I remember right away, just, just as a teenager when I first started, God taught me a good lesson. I overworked that way. Just kept it going when I knew I should have stopped. And, and so then my heart began to act up. I'd had a heart condition, but it wasn't a matter of having a heart attack, just a matter that you were fatigued, that you're just flat, worn out. And before I could get healed, people prayed for me and all, but before I could get healed, I had to promise God I'll never push my body that far again. The minute I promised God, see, I'll never push my body that far again then, that instant. I mean, fast you snapped your finger, I was all right. Now, many times in my healing lines, I'll come up to the place, through the years particularly gone by, I'd come up to a place, I'd feel myself physically getting to that place of fatigue. I'd stop right in the middle of it and say, folks, I can't go any further. I told God I wouldn't. Your body is mortal. It's not immortal. You can't believe God and just keep going. Try it and die. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. So, Brother Branham, you see, uh, Mayo Clinic said you need to just, you know, to take off at least two years. It's going to take you a while to rebuild. See, you tore it down, you're going to have to put it back up. And so then, Brother Lindsay, it started the uh, voice of healing just to report on Brother Branham's meetings, and that's all. But now then he's inactive for a couple of years, or virtually so. And so he started writing up on, you know, there's a lot of healing revivals going on, and, and finally just formed a voice healing association. We, a number of us was in it. Well, now, now here was a man that had the, the anointing of God, gifts of healing, the word of knowledge and gifts of healings operating through him. And he couldn't get him to work for him. That's not the purpose for him to work for him. Out of your innermost being, the flow rivers of, it flows out to others. He's just going to have to believe God for himself. And if he doesn't believe God for himself, well, then he just have to do the best he can. That's the reason you see people that's been mildly used in healing meetings, meeting ministries. Mildly, some of the greatest miracles you've ever seen in your lifetime. And then couldn't get their own healing because they can't make that gift work for them. They couldn't even get it to manifest for others if the anointing wasn't there. Well, the same thing happened to Miss Coomins. She just overworked, you know. She'd go, 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 go. She virtually fell. And, and so, at her age and so on, and really was a, a little older than what some people wanted to leave the impression that she was. You know, she was sort of like me and some of the rest of them. Been 39 for many years. <laughs> I just recently celebrated my 39th birthday for the 25th time. <laughs> So uh, you, you can't make those things work for yourself, you see. In fact, they never will. 
than ever will. I saw that with a number of the voice healing ministers who had mightily anointings of the Spirit, word of knowledge, gifts of healing, gifts of special faith, working of miracles, working through them. And, and uh, the majority, all of them are dead and gone. And, and the majority of them died before they should have died. Prematurely. What do you mean prematurely? Well, he said, with long life will I satisfy you. Amen. You'll fulfill the number of your days. He didn't fulfill. Some of them died in, in his 30 years old. In their 30s. Yet mightily. You talking about miracles? One fellow died in his 38 years old. And I saw one night in his service, five, they brought him out of a home, you know, of deaf mutes. Brought him out of the home. I mean, all five were just like that healed. Just like that. Just like you snapped your finger. When the anointing would come on him, you, I could sit there and observe it. The anointing, he'd weave in and out of the anointing. When the anointing come on him, these great things happened. When he did, he just helpless as a little baby. And usually, get back to his carnal as little baby. Little baby all day wants my way. They'll bawl and squall if they don't get it. You know, here's some things we need to learn, folks. See, you folks on the outside, I'm teaching the students too, you see. So that's the reason I'm, I'm tailoring this a little bit differently. Well, Miss Kuhlman did that. She, she, like I said, was a little older than a lot of folks who led to believe and, and then just, just overly worked until her heart began to act up. Of course, you wouldn't die if your heart didn't stop. You know, if they could keep it beating, you'd just keep on with it, you know. And so they said, you know, she had had some problems before and had gotten better, but then went back out of full blast. And, 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 and so uh, they'd called and said she had to, had to fire up this heart condition that she couldn't make it. And so Brother Simon Vixie said, I called Brother Demon and said, what in the world are we going to do? You know, we got to, to her meeting, 5,000 people coming, because that's all it could take, because they got 5,000 tickets. So, so we know 5,000 are coming, just had to cut it off. And he said, well, Brother Hagin will be there, just have him speak. Oh, I said, you're just a kid. I couldn't fill in for, I, I'm a teacher anyway myself. You know, and so he said, uh, no, you, you, you're going to speak. <laughs> so finally, I, uh, I realized that they were serious. <laughs> and so we went to the service that one Wednesday night. They were talking to me on Tuesday afternoon when we got in. And I remember we were, we were there on the platform and, uh, and you know, they, they, some of the leaders asked everybody to stand and pray for Sister Kuhlman. And we all stood to pray, but the Spirit of God said to me, she'll never be back in the ministry. She'll never preach another sermon. Well, I didn't tell them. You don't tell everything the Spirit of God tells you. But uh, her ministry's over. The Spirit of God said, no, you pray, that's it. And it was. But then Channel 2 of New York City was out there because she's supposed to be there. And they had their cameras, you know, and they're going to, they man, here's me. Well, through the years, as the Spirit wills, limitedly, because I had other ministries as well. See, now, where you just have one ministry, you can focus in on that one ministry and just do that one thing. But if God calls you to do more than one thing, then you're going to have to focus in on those, and you're, you will not be as efficient on, like you would be on one. Yet you have to obey God. And so since 1938, well, of course, the word of knowledge and gifts of healing had been in some measure and operative in my own ministry, but not to the degree it was in hers. And here are 5,000 people that come for help. And, and I remember I kept waiting on God and in the nighttime, the night before. Now, Lord, what am I going to do? And finally, way up in the morning, the Spirit of God said to me when I woke up again, was talking to him, the Spirit of God said to my spirit, remember Peter said to the man at the gate called beautiful, such as I have, give I thee. 
Now, just give them what you have. You can't give them something you don't have anyhow. You know, you couldn't give a fellow $10 if you didn't have but a dollar. Could you? I said, could you? You couldn't give somebody $100,000 if you just got $10. Be impossible. So, just give them what you have. Take your text, such as I have, give I unto thee. Tell them what Miss Kuhlman had and how God used her and thank God for it. But then tell them that you're not even a preacher, though you do preach, that you're primarily a teacher, so you're going to give them a Bible lesson. Well, that went over big with that kind of crowd. <laughs> you know, they're expecting miracles. They're expecting somebody to preach because Miss Kuhlman was not a teacher. She was a preacher. And it comes to teaching, she couldn't call hogs. No, you know what I mean by that expression? That's just not our ministry. And when some of these fellows around here, there's good teachers that come to preaching, they can't even call hogs. But they can when it comes to teaching, that's their ministry, see. So I gave about an hour's Bible lesson. Really just endeavoring to build faith. But you see, God's the same God. And he confirms his word. Now, you'd see this happen in Miss Kuhlman's meeting while she's preaching, except she would go forward, and I do sometimes, always had, you know, and call certain people out and tell them what's wrong. But you see, before I finish my Bible lesson, here's a fella come marching down the aisle with his crutches in his hand. While he's listening to the Word of God, he is healed. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's walking just as good as you and me. Here's another, here's another lady coming with a, with a lady and a gentleman just a crying and and so we got up there to find out what happened to them. And, and so she was so overcome, she couldn't tell it. Her sister who had brought her said, well, we went to the hospital and got her. You see, she was bedfast with cancer. Not only that, but in some places in her body, this cancer's inside her had eaten out and they were open sores. And they all disappeared, the sores and all, while you were speaking. <laughs> Praise God. Now, you could see the spots where they had been, but they was gone. And then there were several outstanding things that way. And then we began, as God used me, in the healing line, you see. And Channel 2 was there, right there, you know. Those fellas come in from the outside. You know, a lot of things don't disturb God. It disturbs a lot of people. It didn't disturb me. I refused to let it disturb me. And here's a fellow, you know, right beside me with one of these cameras you carry on with a cigar in his mouth and his hat on. People get getting healed everywhere. Hallelujah. God will confirm his word. Whether it's preached or taught. Hallelujah. Now some people will be healed, as I said, that way. Some people will be healed by just hearing the word because I taught the word. What God was doing was showing them that he works both ways and that the teaching of God's word. Hallelujah. God honors his word. See? And yet right on the other hand, there are those, I don't know why, because I only know in part. There are others that will never be healed any other way unless there is this, some of these manifestations of the Spirit of God. And I don't control them. If I did, I'd manifest it every service. Like, for instance, I, I use this illustration sometime. Of, I, I was preaching 1953 in Tyler, Texas in the Rose Center Assembly of God Church. Brother D.D. D. Lewis was pastor. And his little niece, 23 years of age, had cancer of both lungs, bed fast, feeding her six times a day, and she's still losing weight. Now, she's a member of Assembly of God Church. She had never been baptized the Holy Ghost, but she got saved when she was eight years of age, 23 years of age, 15 years. 
some reason or another, for some reason, I don't know why, I'm not a judge, doesn't mean that she's an inferior Christian, some way or another she hadn't received her healing. And now then cancer of both lungs, bed fast, looks the very picture of death. Well, they got in a smaller church that way. I don't have healing services on Tuesday and Friday night, a couple of times a week. And they got her out of bed because she's bed fast and brought her to the service. And I laid hands on her Tuesday and Friday of the first week. No, no response. I had the anointing to minister with this anointing that flows out of my hand. But you see, this, these other manifestations are, are something separate. Are you listening to me now? And then the second week, Tuesday and Friday of the second week, they got her out of bed, brought her to the service. I laid hands on her four times. I had the anointing, all right, that the Lord gave to me, but some way or another, I knew she didn't receive it because it didn't go into her. You know, if he was passing out dollar bills, wouldn't you know when somebody took hold of one of them? If he was handing out sticks of candy, wouldn't you know when somebody took hold of them? Spiritual things are just as real. You see, when the power of the Spirit of God's manifested through you, you see, you're conscious when people take hold of it and when they don't take hold of it. That's the anointing. Now, when these manifestations comes, they'll work whether they take hold of it or not. It'll just overwhelm them. That's the reason that you'll find that some of those folks will say, well, I didn't even expect to be healed. I remember my mother-in-law, I told that last night again about that double gorder that just went down like he stuck a pin in the balloon instantly. And now she said later, said, well, I had no faith in healing. I didn't expect to heal. Well, you know, she didn't. She had a suitcase packed to go to the hospital the next day. Didn't look like she expected, did she? She expected to go to the hospital. Well, now, why did that work? I don't know. I only know in part. If you ever find out about the other part, let me know. <laughs> Amen. But after all, I'm not doing it. You see, if we had ever just stop and let Jesus be the head of the church instead of big dummy trying to be the head, we'd get by better. He's the head, let him run it. And quit asking why, just rejoice because he did. Maybe on others, he expects more of them because they know more, I don't know. All right. The fifth time, third week, Tuesday night of the third week, they got that dear little girl out of bed. They brought her out to the service. Here she is in the prayer line, somebody holding her up. When I laid hands on her, they just sort of stepped back. When suddenly there's a manifestation of the Spirit. Did you expect it? No, I didn't more, more expect the manifestation of the Spirit than I expected to be the first man to ever land on the moon. Do you have any intimation, anything like that to happen? No intimation whatsoever. Just as big a surprise to me as it was the next fella. I remember Miss Kuhlman used to say that she'd stand behind the platform a lot of times and pray before she'd go out. She said, oh dear God, reckon it'll work again. If it, you know, because she felt helpless. If it doesn't, if it doesn't come. If the anointing's not there. That's the reason you have to pray. That's the reason you've got to wait on God. That's the reason you have to seek his face. No, I didn't expect it, but I'd done, I'd done my prayer work. Hallelujah. Amen. Was ministering in, in other ways that the Spirit of God directed. When here she stood in front of me, when suddenly there was, I saw it, nobody else saw it, but I just saw a white cloud come right down and envelop the two of us. Actually, it came rolling in from the back. The whole building was filled with the cloud. I couldn't see, I had my eyes wide open, couldn't see a person. Not one single person. I could just see myself and this young lady standing in that cloud. And her condition had started with cancer of the left lung, now it spread to the right lung. And I saw clinging onto her body on the outside over her lung here. Uh, it looked like a little monkey. You know, it was a monkey like it really. It was a little demon, a little imp. 
And I just spoke to him and said, you don't have to go in the name of Jesus. He said, I know it. Now, you see, suddenly God gave me discerning of spirits. That's one of these manifestations here. Discerning of spirits is supernatural insight into the realm of spirits. I was seeing in the realm of spirits. I was seeing the spirit, you see, that, that had attacked her body. Now it had spread to the other lung. I said, you'll have to go. He said, I know it if you tell me to, but I sure don't want to. I said, well, go in the name of Jesus. Now, it, no, no one else saw anything. They did hear what I said. And he fell off from her body and fell on the floor and lay there on the floor and just whimpered and whined and shook and oh, like he's scared. And he was. Not of me, but of Jesus. Amen. Not of me per se, you understand. And I said, not only leave her body, but leave this building. She ran down the aisle and out the door. Now, she lifted both hands and began to praise God. Now, had been, you see, in the assembly of God church 15 years, from she was 8 years old till 23, and was instantly filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking with other tongues. Now, she went right back. See, that's the title of Texas. She went right back the next day on Wednesday to the cancer clinic and said, now, she still looked, you know, very thin because she just wasted away, but said, I want you to x-ray my lungs and so on. And they said, you know, no, we don't need anything. Yeah, but she said something's happened. Well, they said, what happened? Well, you go ahead and, and do it and run your test and then I'll tell you. And so they took a picture, an x-ray picture of her lungs. They ran other tests. They said, your lungs have cleared up. Everything's gone. They're clear. The other te every test they ran proved negative from the standpoint of cancer. They said, what happened? They thought she'd been to some other doctor and somebody discovered something. She said, I told them, she testified to the fact, I told those doctors, three of them, exactly what Brother Hagin said he saw and what I heard him say. And those three doctors said, well, whoever the man is, our hat's off to him, more power to him. Evidently, he's got the answer. We don't. And then she did not ask them, but they said, if you'd like for us to, we'll sign an affidavit that you had cancer of both lungs and now then you're cleared. Now, that was 1953. She's still well. Glory to God. Thank God for manifestations of the Spirit. Now, you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 12, we, we read about these manifestations. The seventh verse said, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation, we call them gifts of the Spirit, and generally, loosely speaking, they are gifts. But actually, if you'll notice the fourth, fifth, and sixth verses, Paul calls them gifts, administrations, and operations. He says, and there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. Then the next verse he said, but the manifestation of the Spirit. And so really, it's, a, it's really more, more scriptural just to call them all manifestations of the Spirit. There are four of them, however, that are gifts, and that's tongues and interpretation and prophecy and gifts of healings. There are three of them that belong in the administration area there, and uh, that is administrations, and that is the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discern the spirits. There are two of them in the area of operation. That's the gift of faith, our special faith, as Amplified has it, and the working of miracles. And so we've discussed those to some extent and have noticed this, that these nine manifestations are divided into three categories or three groups. And that three of them reveal something and three of them do something and three of them say something. That's the simplest way to put it. Or saying it another way, three of them are revelation manifestations. Three of them are power manifestations. Three of them are vocal manifestations. 
the prophecy, the speaking of tongues, interpretation of tongues are vocal miracles. The gift of special faith, the, and I, I use that term because the Amplified translates it special faith, and it is special faith because every believer already has common faith or general faith or saving faith, and then the working of miracles, and then the gifts of healings are power manifestations that do something. And then the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and discern the spirits reveal something. You see, praise God. And so we've looked at some of them. We'll not be able to go into all of them, but the ones I think that are particularly of greatest importance to us, and we'll come back to that. Uh, directed by the Holy Spirit, I'm going a different direction. You have your Bibles there, open them with me now, to the 13th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And you'll notice here in this 13th chapter, the Acts of the Apostles, that the word of God said that there was in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. And then it goes on to mention the names of five men. Among these five men, Barnabas is mentioned. And not only is Barnabas mentioned, but also Saul, or that is Paul, you know, Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle. And, and so these five, the second verse says, as they, these five, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Now you see, this is a Holy Ghost seminar. We want, we're discussing, and I, and, and oh, I wish I had more time. Uh, because there's so many areas that I wanted us to get into that it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to get into concerning the work, the move, the flow, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But here it says, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Now you see, actually that's not called by name, but the Holy Ghost saying this, bringing forth this revelation is a manifestation of one of those manifestations of the Spirit, namely the word of wisdom. Because you see here, the, uh, the call that God had called Barnabas and Saul to, that was to be apostles or missionaries to the Gentiles. See, at this time, Barnabas and Saul were either a prophet or a teacher. Now, we know Barnabas was a teacher, and we know from reading previous chapters here that Saul was a prophet and a teacher. But now they became apostles, you see, and entered into a higher office. And the Holy Ghost, you see, is administering the plan of God. That's the reason these are administrations, you see. And he's revealing the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation concerning the plan, the purpose of God, looking to the future, pointing toward the future. The, the word of knowledge is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God, revealing the present or the past. And so... The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. See, you'd think men sent them forth here. But it said, they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. And then we go on reading in the, the rest of this 13th chapter and into the 14th chapter of Acts concerning Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. But I want you to notice the expression, they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. I wanted you to notice what went on just before that. Laid hands on them. Laid hands on them. And they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed. And they laid hands on them. I want to talk about the Holy Ghost in connection with laying on of hands. You see, if laying on of hands 
And remember that laying on of hands is one of the, one of the half dozen doctrines, fundamental principles of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the New Testament church. You remember, of course, that in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, the first and second verse, the Bible said, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptism and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Now, you see, there are six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ as mentioned, and one of them is laying on of hands. And so I want you to notice that if laying on of hands is not accompanied by the power of the Holy Ghost, then it's a mere formality. It is mere ritualism or formalism with nothing at all happening. But you see, there should be the anointing and the move and the unction of the Spirit of God in connection with laying on of hands. Now you understand this, that in one area here, and I'll get to that a little later on in connection with healing, that it can be different there, but, but otherwise not. Now, first of all, notice this, that in connection with laying on of hands, they laid hands on these men and separated them unto the ministry that God had called them to. Now, they, these two men had been in the ministry for some time. A lot of times there's a time of preparation before you really get into the main ministry God has for you. Sometimes years. Because these men had been in the ministry. One of them was a teacher. The other one was in the, operating in the prophet's office and the teacher's office. And so the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. They weren't called by this method. They'd already been called. They hadn't gotten into that ministry yet, but the calling was there. Now it's time for them to be separated by the Holy Ghost. And they laid hands on them. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm thoroughly convinced of this. I know this, that Barnabas, because I can read the previous chapters, and it only speaks of Barnabas' teaching. I know it does speak of Paul teaching. But I also know that Paul stood in the office of the prophet because, among other things, a prophet is one who has revelations and, and the entire gospel that he knew he received a revelation. But I'm satisfied in my own mind that they were further qualifications for both of these men that must be imparted unto them for them to move off into a higher office. Because you see, if they already had the qualifications, they would already been in the office. But they now moved into a higher office and I'm well satisfied in my own spirit and mind. I'm going to give you some scripture in just a moment. I think that will at least hint or leave the impression that that's so, that you see that when these brethren in, in inspired and led and directed by the Holy Ghost laid hands on them, that whatever was necessary for them to move into that higher office was imparted to them. Are, are you following me now? Now that that is possible, let me, let me demonstrate to you or illustrate to you. First of all, let's go to the Old Testament. And you know, God's the same God there and now. He doesn't change. But right on the other hand, we'll take a reference back here from the Old Testament. Then we'll come to the New. Unless somebody said, well, that's just in the Old. Let's look here in the 27th chapter of Numbers, first of all. Numbers chapter 27. Now let us notice the 18th verse. Uh, Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. Then we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9. Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him. Now God said that Joshua already had the Spirit in him. Now he tells him to lay his hand on him, doesn't he? I said, doesn't he? 
and set him before, that is, set Joshua, before Eliezer the priest, and before all the congregation, right up in front of everybody, and give him a charge in thy sight. Lay your hand on him up there right in front of everybody, see. And now let's get this. Now get this. Notice the next verse. And thou shalt put some of thy honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. All right, now let's go on reading before we come. Skip down to the 23rd verse. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Now then turn to Deuteronomy, the 34th chapter, the ninth verse. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. Now why was it? For Moses had laid his hands upon him. In other words, by the laying on of his hands, because he was directed by God to do so. He had just done it with his own ability. Because he wanted to do it, it would have just been a mere farm, nothing had happened. But he was directed by God to do so. And so there was something that was transferred from Moses to him. And some of the same anointing and same honor and same wisdom that Moses had was transferred to Joshua by the laying on of hands. Now let's come over to the New Testament. Notice here, in the New Testament in 1 Timothy. Here Paul is writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. And he says to Timothy, and at this time Timothy was pastor, or at least was serving in that office at the time. Now notice in the fourth chapter of 1 Timothy and the 14th verse, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Evidently, whatever gift was necessary or endowment, and I think if you'll look this word up, that you'll find it means that. Endowment, gift, divine faculty of the Holy Ghost, that would enable him to stand in the office that God had called him to, was evidently imparted to him as hands were laid upon him by the presbytery, evidently probably when he was ordained. And evidently there was also a word of prophecy that went forth, something about it. That does happen sometimes. It isn't always necessary, but sometimes it does happen. Now, Paul refers to those prophecies and evidently the same happening in in 1 Timothy, the first chapter, the 18th verse. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Then we read in 2 Timothy, the second letter that he wrote to him, and uh, the first chapter and the sixth verse, wherefore I put thee in remembrance... Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance. He he had had written to him about it uh, in this first letter. But now in this second letter, he said, Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. He evidently is talking about the same thing that he was talking about in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy. 
And he said, he encouraged him to stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. Evidently then, when he laid his hands upon him, Paul laid his hands upon him, whatever was necessary for him to minister, or whatever was God's will, praise God was ministered unto him. Now then, let's, let's, uh, let's back up a little bit into the Acts of the Apostles. We were there in the 13th chapter there a while ago. I'm thoroughly convinced, as I said, when because they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. And you understand, just because one stood in the office of a teacher wouldn't qualify him to stand in the office of apostle. And just because one stood in the office of prophet and teacher wouldn't qualify him to stand in the office of apostle. There are other spiritual qualities, endowments, endowments of the Spirit that goes along with it to qualify you. And I'm well satisfied that when hands are laid upon those two gentlemen, blessed be God that whatever was necessary to stand that office was imparted unto them. Now here's something else I want you to see. You'll notice here in the sixth chapter of, of the Acts of the Apostles that in those days the number of the disciples was multiplied and there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministrations. They had all things common, you see. And so the twelve that is, the apostles, you see, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over these things, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word." And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. And then it goes on to mention all these brethren. But I just wanted to single out Stephen here now. Now, whom, now skip down there to the sixth verse. Whom, that is these seven that he mentions in the previous verse. When they sat before the apostles and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Well, they laid hands on these men to separate them unto the office, we say, of a deacon. The reason we say that is because these men were elected to help, and the Greek word translated deacon means a helper. And certainly they were helpers to the apostles, weren't they? And they probably entered into that office of helps that's mentioned of there in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where it said God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, 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 helps. They probably entered into that office. And so, notice now something here. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, I want to call your attention to something that I've, I've read this many times, because I've read the New Testament through at least 150 times, and portions of it more than that. And, and this portion of scripture is no telling how many thousands of times I've quoted it. And today the Holy Ghost called my attention to something that I never noticed before. And the Holy Ghost called my attention to the fact that it already states that Stephen was full of faith in the Holy Ghost. And yet you don't have any record of anything happening till after hands were laid on him. I never noticed that before. It already stated, didn't it, in the previous verse? Well, don't you know that if he was already working miracles among the people, <laughs> it would have been known? 
Vad det var sugor en eller glisgens del från mig vid genstens de gravrama kasugelavis hos dom, brevete. Very often, the laying on of hands releases that which is already within you and causes you to become effective in the work of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what happened here. I never knew that before till tonight. You see, so we're all learning, aren't we? Praise God. And that's what the Spirit of God just said to us. And so there's no doubt, you see, he was full of faith and of power, the Holy Ghost, but it was after the hands of the apostles laid upon him that it was released and he did great wonders and miracles among the people. Is that correct? Amen. Praise his holy name both now and forevermore. That concludes this message. For more information about Kenneth Hagin Ministries, call 1-888-283-2484 or visit our website at www.rhema.org or write Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Post Office Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150-0126. And in Canada, write Kenneth Hagin Ministries, Post Office Box 335, Station D, Etobicoke, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, M9A4X3.